the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Christy. Hey, it's Christy! Woo! Christy's in the house! (laughs) I didn't think you guys were ever going to ask me to be on this. (laughs) (laughs) We are thrilled to have John's better half on the show, Christy Spees. Y'all have been married for... What was it? Is it uh, a baker's? Not quite a baker's dozen. 17 years? 17. Oh, more than that. Oh, my God. I really can't (laughs) math. (laughs) Not quite because it's not quite because it's more than that. That's exactly what I was getting at. (laughs) Time flies, man. Yeah. 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 Way, way the F off on that one. Uh, All right. So we are going to be talking two of Christie's. Favorite properties or ones. This is an episode that she kind of uh, was interested in joining us. And it's an all action adventure fantasy episode. We're going to talk the 1998 movie Willow. Willow! The 90s property Xena, Warrior Princess. And then do our own casting of Willow using actors of today. Uh, Excited about this. Christy, excited to have you on. You are... I mean, as long as I've known you, you have been just as big of a pop culture nerd as John or myself. Uh, you know, it's probably one of the good things that you can relate to with your husband of 17 years that I've known it's been 17 <laughs> years, of course, this entire time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just tell us, like, what do you know? What why do you why do you love? I guess we're, we're doing all fantasy. So why do you love fantasy stuff? Oh, it's my thing. This is this is my nerd um, right here. This is where I live. I live in the fantasy realm. When Lord of the Rings came out, I was just over the moon because that just sparked a whole like renaissance of fantasy mm-hmm. films. Before then, it's like very far and few between. And you got you know Willow, you got Kroll, and you've got a couple of other really great ones out there. But those are the two I'm going to shout out because one John will watch me with me, and the other one John won't. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Kroll was not one of, of our nostalgia, I can remember. so You were a pretty big fan of Highlander, too, weren't you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Highlander. Uh, and uh. Until they killed the one guy, and then like my heart broke. That's That <laughs> That was my first heartbreak right there. I was like, you can't, you can't kill him. But they did. So, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Was it Clancy Brown? No. No, oh, okay. Was, was that the one guy? I can't remember the he's, character's he's name him. right now. He's about one of the. He's like one of the two names I know was in Highlander. It was it was Max's first apprentice, and I can't. I'm embarrassed to say I can't remember his first name because uh, okay. the heartbreak is so strong. I haven't gone back and rewatched that <laughs> one see. right there. Yeah. I see. All right. Well, 1988, the year Willow came out, uh, and um, John, could you please set our minds back? All right, well, the movie was released on May 20th, 1988. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Anything For You by Gloria Stefan and Miami Sound Machine. don't recognize it off the top of my head i'd probably need to you know once i drop it in i'll be like oh yeah of course that one yeah i didn't recognize it either no me either uh topping the nielsen ratings uh, of course is going to be the cosby show 
coming out just a month or two before this is a game that uh, I know I've played. I'm pretty sure you've played. I just remember that I was horrible at it, and that was RC Pro-Am for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, I, I remember I was not particularly good, but I did enjoy I absolutely enjoyed that game. Yep. The New York Times bestseller was a book called Zoya by Danielle Steele. God, Danielle Steele. <laughs> we have mentioned, or when it comes to like the top sellers, yeah, people love their romance novels. Yep. And my fun fact for 1988, uh, sometime this year, the world's largest recorded turtle was found. Uh, it was a leatherback turtle, and it washed up on the shores of Wales. It was estimated to be about 100 years old. It was nine feet long and weighed just over 2,000 pounds. Wow. Wow. That is a monstrous turtle right there. That's that's a huge bitch. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of turtle soup for the people of Wales. <laughs> Love it. That was 1988. All right. Well, without further ado, let's talk Willow. Willow 1988, directed by Ron Howard, uh, one of the more common directors we've had mm-hmm. talking uh, some of his stuff. We have discussed Splash, Cocoon, Parenthood, and then, of course, he's done a bunch of other things like Backdraft, Apollo 13, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, solo. Mm-hmm. Gross. Not gross. It was mediocre. Mediocre <laughs> solo. So, um, Speaking of Solo and Star Wars, the story for Willow is written by George Lucas. Uh, the man behind Star Wars. Screenplay, screenplay was written by Bob Dolman. Uh, he was a writer for SCTV and also wrote uh, the film Far and Away, which is ah. that Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise one. Yeah. Mm. Cinematography by the great Adrian Biddle. Uh, he died back in 2005, but other movies that he shot include Princess Bride, Aliens, Thelma and Louise, 101 Dalmatians, The Mummy, and Mummy Returns, V for Vendetta, and plenty more. He's a fantastic director of photography. And music is done by James Horner, who we've definitely used. I think uh, we've talked about his movies more than anything else. All the movies that he has done that we've talked about include We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, Jumanji, Batteries Not Included, Mask of Zorro, American Tale, Cocoon, Aliens, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, the Kids, Balto, Land Before Time, and Casper. Besides that, he also did music for Commando, Field of Dreams, Glory, Rocketeer, Legends of the Fall, Braveheart, Apollo 13, Titanic, Avatar, Beautiful Mind, and many, many more, and Gone Too Soon. Yep. All right. The cast for Willow include Mad Mardigan being played by Val Kilmer. He was in Top Gun, Top Secret, uh, Batman, Batman Forever, uh, plenty of stuff. Love Val Kilmer. Uh, did y'all see Top Gun Maverick? I did. I did not. Okay. You're not a Top Gun fan, Christy? No. No. Okay, John, what were your thoughts on Top Gun Maverick? I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I hope sometime, if I can, I may have to wait till school starts when everyone else is busy doing stuff to go back and see it again. If it's still in the mm-hmm. theaters, hopefully then. Because I really, really enjoyed it. I agree, man. It it hit all like the the beats that it should for like a nostalgic kind of film but also you know it, it was oh man it was great in the theater absolutely oh, yeah, yeah. phenomenal in the theater a, a visual spectacle for sure yes yep yep loved it and i am glad like you know they kept pushing it back and pushing it back and i am glad they did push it back so i could see it in the theater and didn't mm-hmm. just push it put it on to like hbo max or something earlier on so yeah. cool uh willow is played by the amazing warwick davis 
We have talked about him before and seen him in Star Wars, you know, pretty much everything from the franchise, Harry Potter, or most of the things from the franchise anyway, Harry Potter, uh, and the Leprechaun series as well. And George Lucas wrote this movie specifically for him. Oh, so he like, you know, saw Warwick, he worked with Warwick as Wicket, obviously he was most famously Wicket in Return of the Jedi, and so he liked him so much, he's like, I'm making a movie for you. Yeah, and he was young, I mean, he was like... 11 when he did Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and he was only like 17 here. And he's got a whole family. Yeah. <laughs> he does look young. <laughs> you can absolutely tell. Yeah. Sorsha is played by Joanne Wally. Uh, she was in the movie Navy Seals. Ooh, Navy Seals. <laughs> That's all I think about with that one. And The Man Who Knew Too Little, which is that um, Bill Murray movie. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things. Queen Bavmorda was played by Jean Marsh. She was in Doctor Who uh, from, like, some stuff from the 60s and the 80s, and just overall lots of British productions, but nothing else that I really recognized. The High uh, Aldwin is played by another great little person actor, Billy Barty. We talked about him when we discussed Masters of the Universe, yep. but he's also been in Legend. He's been in tons of stuff. Kale is played by a guy who keeps popping up on our <laughs> podcast, Pat Roach. Yep, he's everywhere. He is. Um, we talked about him recently with Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, but he was in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, you mentioned playing two different roles. Mm-hmm. Um, we remember his Brytag in Red Sonja and in Conan as well. The budget of this film was $135 million, and it earned $137.6 million. So that's a definite, um, you know, that, that's a solid gross right there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, a, I mean, it's not amazing, but right. it's, I mean, hell. Got a hundred, got a hundred million dollars. It sounds like it didn't perform as well as George Lucas hoped it would. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure that's true of any movie that that doesn't I mean, doesn't on, make insane at, yeah. amounts of money right out of the game. on the heels of Star Wars. Yeah. Sure, it's like well, everything I touch is gold. Well, not everything, George. He, and we'll find he, that out. He did later. make uh, Howard the Duck a few years before this. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know what? He should have known. He should have known. So let's talk nostalgia for Willow and. Christy, as this is your pick, I want you to tell us why are we talking Willow right now? Uh, Like I said, I love uh, fantasy films, and I remember when this came out that there was a big hype about the technology they used, uh, like for the fairies in Shalindria, and I I just love any movie that would have magic um, to this level and not use it as kind of like a hokey kind of magic. Like, mm-hmm. Willow is kind of in the vein. He starts out in that vein of hokey man- magic, like, oh, this is just for show and tricks. But by the end, I mean, he becomes a sorcerer. And, I mean, it. it there's a lot of things that echo um, for me. Just, like, growing up, I was a Lutheran, and there's that whole Moses like story going on with like the slaughter of innocents and then they put a Laura Dan and I know I'm going places um, <laughs> um, in that little cradle on the river and they float her down the river. So, I mean, growing up for me, that was a big part of my life. And then it just blossoms into this whole fantasy land and it takes me someplace completely different. Like everything there, it doesn't recognize or look like things that we have here. And then a lot of the monsters um, had like a Star Wars quality CG element. Uh, to them so and i really love star wars too growing up because it's space wizards so yeah because space <laughs> wizards all right and john what do you remember from your nostalgia of willow um i definitely remember this film um i'm not sure if we watched it together if it was one that was just 
in in the periphery of, of existence. I'm sure I had friends who really enjoyed it. Um, I didn't watch it too much as kids. I've definitely seen it a lot more since I've gotten married, or at least since uh, Christina, at least when Christy and I started dating, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. versus uh, beforehand. But I was fully aware of the film before. I've watched it probably at least once every few years since becoming an adult. I would guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm obviously similar from you from um, a nostalgia standpoint. I remember the film. I wasn't like, you know, super, super into it, but I always liked it. I always appreciated it, respected it. And it's one that I always think back fondly of when it comes to kind of the, you know, that style fantasy film mm-hmm. from this era. I remember so. the two-headed monster freaking me out when I was a kid. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, fair. <laughs> this film is, was you're right, was fairly popular. I mean, it, it earned $137 million. That's pretty good. But if it had done a lot more, they probably would have had some sequels. It took, what is this, over 30-something years, but we are finally getting some a sequel to this movie uh, in the form of a Disney Plus series that's going to be coming out later this year. So in uh, November 30th is when we are expected to see that. So I kind of want to ask, I mean, are you excited for that series? And also, you both... Uh, John, when we talked Dark Crystal, I remember you saying you guys were getting really excited about Age of Resistance that hadn't come out yet mm-hmm. um, by the time we talked about it. Do you guys like bringing these kind of fantasy series back up like 30 years later? Are you enjoying that, that that's happening right now? And yeah, and how do you feel um, towards this upcoming Willow one? I mean, it's it's been a double-edged sword because in some ways it's a property we're excited about. and the other ways, some some of these haven't worked out. Some of these, um, you know, when they try to reboot things or add a sequel, um, I will put out the Matrix one that they just did. Not good. Uh, the, the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure oh. one was not good. It was awful. Um, and that it's it's sad because I feel like Keanu Reeves has, has been having a bit of a renaissance um, mm-hmm. in these last 10 years or so, and those are just unfortunate ones. And, yes, we loved those movies as kids, but I, I think those only worked at those times. Fantasy, I feel like, has only gotten better uh, with its technology and stuff, and we're used to seeing that now. Game of Thrones, Witcher, all these other fantasy things, you know, Lord of the Rings in between, have led up to fantasy works well in any medium. As long as they adhere to good storytelling and staying true to the characters, I'm hoping and expecting good things. Christy, what about you? Um, I'm going to watch it either way because I love Willow. I mean, this is one of the few DVDs that I've kept in my collection. But I, I'm hopeful along the way. Uh, I know that over the years they have put out books for Willow's story, mm. um, but I have not read them because uh, I wasn't that interested in reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's reading. not. sometimes it's just not the medium or, you know, that you want to absorb you know, this particular series. In. Yeah, I, I need the visual. I, I don't like making up worlds in my brain. I like seeing the worlds done by somebody mm-hmm. else. I guess that's my lack of creativity right there. Um, but I'm excited. Uh, I watched a little bit of, they, they put out um, something for it where they're talking with just like their cast right there. So, I mean, I, I'm going to love it for what it is and hope that since it's on Disney Plus that there will be... Um, the budget will be there to support um, 
all of the special effects and the visuals and the scenery. I'm just hoping yeah. all of that will be there. And then the story, I'm fingers crossing. I want it to be good. Yeah, fingers crossed. I've been, I haven't been overly impressed by the Disney Plus series that I have watched, whether it's Marvel or Star Wars stuff. Um, I haven't like overtly hated any of them, but none of them have like really wowed me to like a massive extent yet. But I mean, most of them, the majority I have liked. Um, but every now and then I'll see like an effect on there. I'm just like, Ugh, how, with your budget, how did that happen? So I'm hoping that's not the case here. I'm hoping you're right that there's, there's some good stuff. <clears throat> mods <clears throat> in Boba Fett. <clears throat> the mods are awful. <clears throat> I hate them. I'm um, sorry. You mean the Power Rangers? No, 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 no. Not the Power Rangers. The the mods. The teens with all the cybernetics. In Boba Fett, like those kids who have like yeah, the modified stuff. The Power Rangers. There was the green one and the red one <laughs> and the yellow one. <laughs> and they had yeah, they're separate little Vespas and they look the Vespa race and you know, all that stuff looked awful. So yeah, pretty much. You gotta tie in your <laughs> teens somehow. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into our scene by scene breakdown of Willow. And we start off with some text to kind of get us into the world. It is a time of dread. Seers have foretold the birth of a child who will bring the downfall of the powerful Queen Bavmorda. Seizing all the pregnant women in the realm, the evil queen vows to destroy the child when it is born. So then we cut to we see a baby is born in prison. Um, and it's it's going to be one that they're looking for. Uh, but this kind of handmade lady who is down there ends up hiding the child. Uh, she is able to get out. But Bev Morta is, of course, pissed about everything. And she's <laughs> killing everybody and <laughs> kills the mother. Um, what not right after, you know, the she finds out that the child got away. Um, we get some music. It's, you know what? I just got to throw out there. I always find it funny. This happens every time. Well, and I guess it happens every time because, you know, you have like a seer who says, well, this is going to happen. And then someone's like, I got to kill everybody so it doesn't happen. And then one person gets away. Like, That's going to happen. Right. Like, it, it, can it be foreseen if it doesn't happen? Like, how many times have we seen a foreseen and then it doesn't happen in these kind of films? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's like that thing. Like, we're not going to find uh, we're not going to we know we haven't figured out time travel yet because someone hasn't come back and like, you know, fix history or any of that kind of shit. <laughs> Are but, you sure? You know. I, I don't. I, Maybe this is their happy, so. their happy history. Well, since since they did their apparent research on on the theory of time travel, I'm going to go with the uh, um, end game theory about travel because that is apparently the prevailing theory is that if you go back in time, it is not cyclical. You're not changing history. You're creating a new timeline when you go back. So you can't yeah. change your present by changing the past. Fair. I think that's fairly valid. It's 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 well beyond my. <laughs> my brain to, to really kind of Comprehend. think about that. But I, I would agree, uh, you know, cause then that would, it, it would ultimately change something. Something would, would adjust kind of butterfly yeah. effect style and it has to be a kind of a different universe. So yeah, exactly. Like in, I mean, if, if you think if you're, if you're adhering to that theory, even what they talk about in the movie in, uh, in back to the future, Marty McFly did not return to his time. Marty McFly returned to a new time cause everything was different. Yes. Very true. Yeah. Biff was totally different. Every, everything was different. Experiences would have been told all these other kids would have been everything would have been different. Yep. But then, you know, there is a reason it is a prophecy because it's supposed to happen. Well, yeah, exactly. they're trying to shirk their prophecies and but they're yeah, they're trying to stop it. It but fails because it it's it. supposed to happen. True. All right. We get some swelling of music and the opening credits as this baby is kind of being cared for by a woman.
But eventually these beasts come after her and they chase her down. And she has to send the river or send the baby down the river as she's getting fucking devoured <laughs> by these creatures. And those are just uh, Rottweilers with rubber masks and suits on. And, and you know what? And you can it's obvious that they were just dogs with, you know, with, with like uh, some some kind of stuff on them. Yep. But they still did a good job. I actually kind of yeah. I like the creatures. Yeah. I like the idea of it's a fantasy world. So they have dogs, but their dogs don't look like ours. <laughs> yeah. No, they're almost kind of like um, like a wild like a wild boar or something. Yeah, uh, but Rowan worse. Rowan called them rat dogs. Yeah, exactly. They're kind of yeah, they're wild boars plus RUSs. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. like that. So, all right, um, and then after some time, uh, a family of Nelwyn find it. So Nelwyn are basically think dwarves, think hobbits, think kind of you know little people. Mm-hmm. Um, group like that and it's willow's kids we meet him we meet the family he doesn't want to do anything with a child he you know he's like this is not you know this is not our race we should not keep this child we also see willow talking about magic in general and um, he wants to kind of become an apprentice uh for this one big wizard and but he doesn't really know how to do anything with magic right now um willow's wife then sees the child and She's attached immediately. They're going to keep the thing. So he has, pretty much has no say in it. Right, John? We never have any say in it in the matters, right? hey Babies are cute. Married life. Why would you send it down the river? It's cute and adorable. Babies are cute. And this is a cute little, like, redheaded baby as well. Willow sets up that, you know, he's, he's you know, wants to be picked, yeah, for this local apprentice. So he heads to town, and we see all these festivities and games. Willow's doing some simple magic. Christy, as you kind of brought up, it's just trickeration right now. He's, you know, doing, like, regular sleight of hand, things like that. But for Willow, it goes a bit wrong, and the pig that he had, was hiding to kind of show that he had made it disappear um, was actually under the little platform, and it runs out. It makes a fool of him mm-hmm. yeah. in front of everybody. That's just bad preparation on his part. That, yeah. that should he should have had something to keep the pig from running out and had, he must have forgotten to set a lock or something. Yeah, exactly. And it was a particularly squirmy and squealy pig. I feel like you got to have a trained animal that um, you know knows how to sit down and shut up. Right. Uh, the high Aldwin is going to make his pick and he asks them the question. The power to control the world is in which finger? The power to control the world is in which finger? And he holds up, you know, his, his, his hand with five fingers stretched out. And he goes through each of them. Um, and they all pick ones. And they keep getting it wrong. You know, one of them picks the ring finger. and Well, Willow picks the ring finger. Another one picks the middle and the index and whatnot. My head. Now, I, we find out the answer later. Yes. But I think his answer is <laughs> bullshit. Um, I, the answer to control the world is in the thumb. That is the obvious answer, but that is my evolutionary brain working because thanks to opposable thumbs, that is what helps us use tools and build things so effectively um, and whatnot. So the thumb is what helps us control the world, not um, what Will he'll tell us later. So, but it's fine. That's that's just me being nitpicky. I thought it was a good answer. It just so. shows like what level of thinking he wants in his apprentice. He doesn't want his apprentice to just pick the obvious thing that's right in front of him. He wants him to think True. outside of that box. Yeah, I prefer thinking outside the bun. I'm a big Taco Bell fan. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, then those beasts that we have seen before uh, now come rummaging through the town. And everyone's starting to run. It's mass panic. Uh, then some warriors are able to kill it 
from uh, from the town, and apparently they find out it was looking for some baby, and so Willow rushes home to see if you know his family is okay, which they are, but he knows that they must take the child to the town council to figure out what to do with it. So they do, and the High Aldwin advises that it's a special child. You know, this isn't one that they should send down the river or give to the beasts or any of that kind of stuff. They need to take care of it and send it to so- give it to someone who will who will take care of it and um you know one but one of its own i can't even remember what was the the uh what race did they give kind of like the human people like daikini something daikini, like that? daikini. Yeah. yeah so that's what he advises and so they form a fellowship that's exactly what happens right here they form a fellowship one of his uh friends uh migash will be there as well as uh like kind of the prominent warrior mm-hmm. says he's going to go i do like that the town asshole burgle cut <laughs> uh you know <laughs> gets picked particularly by the high Aldwin, and then he's like oh fuck no uh please warrior guy i want you there too so that's kind of funny so as they walk uh the high Aldwin kind of joins them and asks them about the the finger thing which willow lets him know my initial thought is i wanted to pick my own finger and yes think outside the box is kind of um that was apparently the right answer all along and so you know we find out that and and the high Aldwin says that you know you have the potential to be a great sorcerer so it's like okay cool and then he gives him some acorns that will apparently turn anything to stone. So just a nice little gift for the battle. Here's but, my yeah. question, though. When yeah. he holds it in his hand, why does it not turn him to stone? Because <laughs> it doesn't crack. That's a good question. It doesn't crack. The magic Well, it didn't inside. crack when he just dropped it on that, on that piece of wood and the wood turned to stone. It had some percussiveness to it when it hit <laughs> oh, that. Oh, okay. So there's like a hit level that it needs. <laughs> Okay. All right, fine. But yes, I think that's a good point, John. Just live the magic. Live the magic. <laughs> feel, feel the it's, magic. Yeah. Let it be you. <laughs> I am notorious about saying fuck you magic uh, on this podcast <laughs> and just poking hole. I'm a hole poker. That's what I do. All right. Uh, Willow says goodbye to his family and sets off. And the high. this is a wonderful little scene. The high Aldwin. I mean, this this is great. I don't know. George Lucas does a good job of adding in some comedy into mm-hmm. his stuff, and I think this is a, a wonderful little, you know, fantasy comedy. The Hyde one throws the bird. Follow where the bird is going, <laughs> and Burglecut says, "It's going back to the village." Ignore the bird. Follow the river. <laughs> <laughs> so while walking, baby is sick. More comedy. It throws up all over Burglecut's face. Mm-hmm. He's earned it. He's Did you? Uh, yeah. I just want to point out one of the um, kind of warriors that went with him uh, is an actor named Tony Cox. I did notice him, yeah. And I remember him mostly from the movie Me, Myself, and Irene. Okay, he's the the lady that uh, Jim Carrey's wife leaves him for. Mm. He's been in tons yeah. of stuff. I think a lot of other people re- recognize him from Bad Santa. I'm sure, but Tony Cox has been in tons of stuff. He is a fantastic actor. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Queen Bevmorda is trying to find the child and. She is sending off, you know, her daughter, uh, Sorsha, and she's going to add General Kale. And I want to throw out the production, or not the production design, but the, the costume design. I love the costume design of General Kale. Yeah. Like that, the skull mask is so intimidating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. often confuse that mask with other roles that he's played. I'm like, oh, this is the one yeah. with the monkey skull. Oh, no, no, no that's Willow. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he often plays like big name generals and stuff like that in these fantasy yes. films. Yeah, he is constantly just like the intimidating, you know, yeah, general guy. Like that's that is that is his niche. 
All right, and so the Fellowship of the Baby uh, have to hide as they go see some riders searching for them. This absolutely, like this shot, this this whole section right here reminded me of they're setting off from the Shire yep. and they're they're heading off and they have to hide from the Nazgul riding on the uh, mm-hmm. you know on the main road. Uh, this this is exactly what was happening. Can can I just add that one of her um, druids that was next to Queen Babmorda also prophesized that her daughter here was going to betray her. And yes, she, again, she, does. she she's like no, 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 that's not going to happen. She wouldn't do that. I trust her. Yeah, she says I trust her more than I trust you. So yeah, two prophecies. <laughs> they continue uh, down once you know the they get past these uh, soldiers searching for them. Eventually, they get to a burned village. And they meet this scary man in a cage. It is Mad Mardigan, uh, who is kind of like our uh, vigilante. Not really a vigilante, but he's like a... It's when you're a bad guy, but you're also a good guy. Anti-hero? Anti-hero. He's, I would say he's kind of like an anti-hero. Thank you. I mean, because he's, he's an asshole, but he's also ultimately a good guy. Uh, they're supposed to... Get, but what they were told by the High Old One is to give the child to the first daikini they find... But Willow's too smart. He's like, I'm not giving it to this guy. He's in a cage. He's not a very nice dude. The rest of them are all, they all leave. Like this is kind of this is the kind of thing that pissed me off a little bit. Like the the warriors. Like we had these badass warriors that we set up that were great, and then we didn't really see them do anything else. They just left with Burkelcut, and it was like well, that's the end of their tale. I'm like, well, fuck. I wanted to see them fuck some shit up. Like we didn't really get to see Tony Cox and like that other main warrior do anything again because they're like, hey, we found a daikini. We should give it to him. And Willow's like, no, I don't want to. And so Willow stays. The rest of them leave. Uh, the thing so. that really did kind of bug me about the scene is Burglecut is the only one who's like, well, there's a person. Let's leave him. Let's leave the baby and let's go. Everyone else yeah. seemed to have more sense than that. And I would feel like the rest mm-hmm. of them had families and would have been like, no, we're not leaving a baby with a criminal who's clearly in a cage. But for some reason, yeah. they were they I think they left reluctantly, but mm-hmm. they still left with Burglecut, which I, I didn't agree with. Well, he's just yeah. a big, huge village jerk. I mean, he gaslights Willow, like, the whole beginning of the movie. Like, he's just the town bully. And I think that pressure that he has on everybody and that he's a landowner, at least, of Willow's. And he's uh, actually physically bigger than everyone else in the village. Yeah. True. I mean, if he hadn't gone on the thing, we wouldn't have gotten um, the war- warriors to go. But on mm. the other hand, he is entirely the reason that everybody left i think i don't think they would have left if he hadn't forced them to leave okay. they're just not strong enough to stand up to him no you're right yeah they do they don't stand up to him uh, migosh his friend uh, uh willow's friend does stay with him because they are going to try and stick around and wait for someone who is a little bit more reputable to come by to leave the child with in the morning uh mad martigan keeps trying to talk with him and tries to be kind of nicer as a tactic trying to get some water Things like that. Uh, we then see a bunch of soldiers marching this way. Apparently there was a battle about to happen. They're trying to give the child to any of the soldiers, but none of them are having it. They're very obviously focused on their upcoming battle. And we meet Eric, uh, who recognizes Mad Mardigan. He obviously kind of fought with him before or ran across him. And he uh, ends up leaving him in the cage. And so <laughs> you thought at first, like, oh, these guys are friends. And then he's like, no, he just fucking leaves them. And Eric was played by a guy named Gavin O'Hearley. And mm-hmm. I constantly confuse him with William Atherton, yes. who plays William Peck in Ghostbusters. Dude, even though I saw that it was a different person, like, later on in the movie, I was like, man, that looks a lot like the guy from Ghostbusters. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks, he looks so much like him. So... 
Mardigan, again, he's trying to convince Willow to get him out. Uh, but this time he does. He basically makes a vow that they're going, that he will take care of the child and all this kind of stuff. So they do. They cut him out. They leave the baby with him and they depart to head home. Uh, Willow then, as they're kind of just him and Migosh are walking, you know, he questions if they did the right thing. And then out of nowhere, we see a little person, not a little person, like an extra, extra tiny person riding a hawk. And it's you see it, it's screaming. Yeah! <laughs> I stole the baby! I stole the baby! I stole the baby. I stole the baby. <laughs> it's these things called, they call brownies and uh, they end up trapping Willow and Migosh. So they're kind of eh, interesting little comic relief. Um, I would say these two characters or a couple characters that we're going to have throughout the uh, rest of the movie. But the brown or the brownies are taking like orders and there's this kind of disembodied female voice. We find out it's a magical woman called Cherlin- Cherlindria. Cylindria. This voice is basically telling them that, you know, Willow must protect the child, that the child shows him as her protector. And also we find out that the child's name is Alora. And so uh, she ends up talking to Willow and whatnot and gives him a magical wand and sets him on further on his quest that he needs to find this sorceress named Finn uh, Raziel. Finn Rizel. Rizel. Thank you, Rizel. Finn Rizel to, um, you know, get help to be able to get the baby to where it needs to go and beat um, Bavmordia, etc. In the morning, Willow sends Migosh off to the to his home, to his village, and he will go alone. He knows that this is a journey he must do on his own. Uh, then the Browdies, though, are joined with him, and they're going to lead the way. So they make it to a village tavern. The Brownies are just completely silly, and here I will bring up one of the Brownies I had no idea was until I really mm-hmm. kind of saw a tight on his face. And I was like, holy shit, that's Kevin Pollock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I didn't even, uh, I didn't recognize the other Brownie. That is Rick Overton mm-hmm. from the movie Groundhog Day. He's also in Eight-Legged Freaks. He was in Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. For the Mater D at the end of that later scene, but Okay. But he's got 191 credits, so the man man gets yeah. around with his work. He so works. Good for him. Yeah. Just some silliness with the brownies. Ha, ha, ha. They end up spraying this love potion, this love stuff all over themselves on accident. And then Kev- Kevin Pollock falls into beer. <laughs> Silly. But it's all good. Just some, just some lighthearted humor for the film. Uh, then Willow sees Mad Mardigan, who is currently uh, dressing himself up as a woman to try and, uh, you know, disguise himself to get the hell out of there because he's obviously trying to escape some people. He's been converting with someone's wife. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, that is exactly what's going on. And it ends up really pissing off uh, that guy uh, because the queen soldiers come on in. Yeah, it's pissing off this big guy named Lug. <laughs> so, um, well, it hasn't pissed him off yet, but that's the wife that Mad Mardigan was hanging out with. Uh, so, yeah, the queen's uh, daughter comes in and, you know, she's trying to look for the child. She um, she wants to look at that specific child that they have with them. Then ends up madness ensues because Willow doesn't want to do it and because it is the child they're looking for. And Mad Mardigan ends up being, you know, revealed as a man. And that pisses off Lug, who starts punching everything in sight uh, in a blind rage. And that gives the distraction that Mardigan needs to get out and Willow and the brownies uh, jump onto kind of the horse in the cart uh, with the baby, you know, and then we get a whole chase scene going on about, you know, a horse chase scene for that. So, which uh, eventually they do 
get away and stop chasing him at this point. But uh, Willow is ultimately pissed at Mardigan for putting her in danger and his reckless horse driving and whatnot. Um, but we find out that they need him because, yeah, he is a warrior. He will help protect them. And they happen to be going in the same direction. So they will <laughs> stay together for now. Quick scene. This The queen is still pissed that they can't find the child. And just ultimately, she's just angry trying to push that. Uh, that night, Willow practices using his magic wand and another little humorous scene where he ends up kind of shooting himself up a tree, <laughs> um, which is just, I always kind of like that spot. So uh, they eventually get to a river and find a boat, uh, which is kind of what Mad Mardigan promised that, you know, hey, he will take it from here. Um, and so they go on. Mad Mardigan promised that he would get them to a river uh, to like that spot. So they are going to continue on with the baby in a boat. Um, while Mad Mardigan goes off on his own and he's kind of done helping them for now. Well, uh, Will- Willow leaves the baby in one of the burnt out huts in there and he goes to the island by himself. That's right. He does leave the baby. He doesn't take the baby with him, which is um, risky, but. Well, yeah, she had brownies to watch her. <laughs> had, We've yeah, they're seen very how useful <laughs> they are at this point. Yeah. Uh, so Willow f- goes and finds Finn. Rizel. Razzle. I keep fucking... Rizel. Rizel. I, I don't like how they spelled it, because it kept confusing me. Do you like how they spell Eric? <laughs> no, I hated that. Eric. Yeah. <laughs> Eric. I was like, Ark. Ark, <laughs> yeah. Ark, yep. Ark, Ark. Uh, yeah, Finn, Rizel. And she is currently a talking, like, sugar glider, uh, which is like a little, like, squirrely kind of thing. She was transformed by Bavmorda uh, a long time ago and has been stuck in this body. They go back to the river with Finn Rezel. Mad Mardigan, though, unfortunately, has seemingly given them up, and the soldiers and the queen's daughter are there, and they take Alora and they capture Willow, they capture Mad Mardigan, uh, and Finn Rezel as well. There's some kind of funny little back and forth with Mad Mardigan, uh, Sorsha, or you know, early on there. It's one of those kind of things I feel you get a lot where people, you know, the prominent male and female joke like they hate each other, and then I'm like, oh yeah, I know you guys are gonna fuck by the end of this movie. <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty obvious. So at the evil group's camp, Finn Rizel guides Willow on how to turn her back into uh, her, her human type of form, which I do find it funny. Like, why wouldn't they have taken his wand? They feel like they should have patted him down and taken his magic wand. But whatever. They dismissed it. Um, and so he tries to get her back to her normal form and only can get her into a crow. So, but hey, that's a step up from a sugar glider. You can fly around. That's pretty baller. I mean, everything he transforms her into is useful for what's about to happen. Like the crow is useful in many different ways, Mm -hmm. like as um, like a mask for the baby crying. It can fly over everything where where we might have lost a sugar glider going down that hill. Um, And then later when they transform him into a goat, I mean, she's very useful knocking soldiers over. So. She does. Do I mean, I kind of wish they left her as a lion at one point, but that's that's just me. Yes, I exactly. Uh, the brownies accidentally put that love dust on into my, Mad Mardigan's face. They are able to escape with the brownies helping them picking a lock. And unfortunately, though, he does see the queen's daughter, Sorsha. And because of that love dust, uh, that's who he falls in love with right away. I think he would have loved her either way. He probably, you know what? He probably did. And so he kind of, he's infatuated. He can't like be pulled away. He kind of ends up waking her up. She wants to kill him at first, but like he is just 
really smooth talker and kind of ends up, she ends up liking it. And the soldiers find them and Mad Mardigan has to fight his way out. And they end up escaping by sliding down this, uh, by, with a shield as a sled uh, down a whole big, you know, snowy mountainside. It's good. It's a good action sequence. Yeah. I like this whole, yeah. all this stuff. So the soldiers do continue after them, uh, but the village that they made it to are, you know, are going to help them out, help them try to escape because, you know, they all seem to hate uh, Queen Bevmore's soldiers and whatnot. They find Eric there, uh, who apparently, you know, he's at, his soldiers got wrecked <laughs> by Bevmore's troops. And so he's just kind of been in hiding there. Still, though, he's quite untrusting of Mad Mardigan. Uh, and they um, are able to... Sorsha ends up going into the building that they're in, and they're able to take her hostage and utilize that to get out of there. And Eric and his men are able to kind of fight off the soldiers as they ride away with Sorsha as their hostage. So Mardigan and Sorsha more kind of flirting. She's a bit confused about how he spoke to her before, and even he is so. And so, yeah, more of that, you know, will they, won't they kind of thing. But it's obvious that they kind of end up liking each other. Each other. But she is still with the bad team, and she is able actually to escape. She gets away and steals the horse and gets the fuck out of there. Mad Mardigan and Willow with Alora make it to a fort, but nothing is there. It's quite ominous. You know, it's everything's kind of seemed to be, you know, mostly burned or, or it's just kind of uh, deserted right now. Uh, and then Willow had kind of set up before that he hates trolls. Then we get these trolls, which are... Oh, just kind of little hairy creatures. They're not they're they're almost like human size, but they're creepy and and hairy. I've seen trolls like I feel like I have seen ones like that, but when I think troll, I kind of like a big think of a big cave troll right. yeah. kind of thing. So kind of hard to tell. But I feel like those are the trolls from like what was it um, Journey to the Center of the Earth or something like that that are kind of I think those are they're called trolls and they look like that as well. So okay, I remember them freaking me out as a kid too. Yeah, yeah, they are freaky. The sign's very good. And, you know, the use of green screen on this movie does have much to be desired with some of the tracking. Like, you see the trolls, like, climbing right. up the, the side. And it's just like, I get it. It's 1988. It's not going to look as much as I want. Or, like, the brownies, for sure. Particularly, the, you see, like, the brownies in, like, you know, Willow's backpack or something like that. And they're, the tracking isn't right mm-hmm. when he's moving and, and other stuff. And it's I do allow, you know, some, you know it's got to allow that because it's just not going to not going to work otherwise yeah, but for the time for the time yeah, for the i remember time. it just being amazing so uh, willow you know he has to fight this troll he is able to stop it kind of by turning it into this weird little creature and and pushes it down into the water and then it ends up growing into this huge massive two-headed beast which yeah john as you said uh does look very freaky yeah so and that one actually looked i would say was that was that that wasn't like claymation? Was it? Did they use stop motion with that thing? Because I, I I couldn't tell because it looked actually motion wise it looked. Pretty I mean good. it looks stop motion because it had the same yeah. features as like the Rancor from Return of the Jedi. So, yeah. so I feel like it's it's got to be stop motion. Yeah, but I felt like the the movement on it actually was better than the Rancor mm-hmm. actually. So uh, Willow is able to change Finn again this time into the goat as <laughs> you said, and so yeah. Uh, then they end up fortifying the fort a little bit. They're able to lock the door and more trolls. Oh, sorry, you mentioned that. Fuck, I skipped that <laughs> line earlier. You skipped ahead sorry. and now we're going back. Uh, yeah, now I'm going back. All right. Then all insanity breaks loose in the fort. Um, there's trolls and this beast and the soldiers are now there. It's all madness. Sorcia, though, we do kind of see is just at one point 
in awe of Mad Mardigan's sword <laughs> fighting. She's just kind of yeah. standing you know? there staring, not doing a damn thing. I mean, the only thing <laughs> yeah. to do is fight off that dragon monster, um, deal with trolls, and chase Mad Mardigan. There's only three things to do in that battle, because otherwise you're just running around this abandoned tower with a whole bunch of cursed people in it. So, Or you're just going to go grab Sorsha and kiss and make out, and that's kind of exactly <laughs> what Mad Mardigan does. <laughs> so they end up kissing. Kale ends up finding the child and grabs her and leaves uh, heads out because they're going to take the child to Babmorda. Uh, Mad Mardigan then teams with Eric's army to go after Babmorda in the castle. Um, once they're all done, Babmorda, so they have to go, go save the child. Uh, Babmorda, obviously, you know, she is this uh, creepy sorceress. And what she does, because we hadn't really, we'd heard about some of her powers, but here she really shows some of the extent of her powers. And she just starts turning all the men into pigs. Like, just... I will say I like the graphics. They didn't really do good transformation graphics. Mm-hmm. I would have loved that. But we do see the good makeup, particularly Val Kilmer, like halfway on the way to becoming a pig, looked pretty damn. Yeah, he uh, he clearly, most of the pig budget went into his makeup. There was there was <laughs> yeah. a couple of background players. I'm like, that is clearly a dude in a rubber mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Bev Morda starts a ritual to kill the baby and end this prophecy. Meanwhile... Willow works on getting Finn Rizel back to a human, which turns her into a bunch of different stuff. You know, yeah, you mentioned like a lion or a tiger and all this other stuff. Yep. I mean, I felt like that could have been very useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at some point. Eventually, he does turn her into a human, and she's kind of like this really old naked lady uh, right now. So, but now she can use her power and immediately just kind of like protects the spell and turns them all back to humans mm-hmm. really fast. It's just kind of really quick, but... Um, Willow then, they're trying to figure out, you know, well, how do we get inside the castle? How do we make this happen and save the baby? Willow has an idea, and so that's what they do, which is going to be a surprise attack. And so they're able to fight their way all the way back up to Bavmorda. Um, and at this point, though, the prophecy, one of the other prophecies of Sorsha, who was fallen in awe of Mad Mardigan, is now fighting with them. And even now, you know, has to confront her mother to stop trying to you know, kill the child and stuff like that. So, but Bev Morta is pretty, she's a bitch. She's a complete bitch. And she she just shoots down her daughter. So then we have a uh, little epic sorceress battle between Bev Morta and Finn Rizel. And it's just kind of old ladies smacking each other. The graphics didn't look very good. It's Sauron and Gandalf in Orthanc. It's old. It's geriatrics fighting. <laughs> yeah, it is geriatric fighting. And I think actually the actors I chose are even older than the actors that they had. And so thinking about it, I'm like, ooh, it probably wouldn't turn out well, but eh, whatever. <laughs> I've already got my list, so I don't, I don't want to change it now. So, all right. When the uh, battle commences uh, between the soldiers, Eric dies, and Mad Mardigan has to go after General Kale, and um, he is able to kill him. Shoots, stabs him with a sword and all this kind of stuff. So. Uh, Willow uses one of the acorns to try and stop Bavmorda, but she just super overpowers it, and that's it. I would have liked to see the acorns be a little bit more effective, or maybe not on Bavmorda, sure, she's super powerful, but I would have liked him to just, like, see its use mm-hmm. before. Literally, the only other time I saw its use is when he dropped it on a plank of wood, mm-hmm. um, trying to hit a troll with it, and it, yes, it turned the plank of wood to, to stone, but it's like... I would have. It would have been nice to see, like, oh wow, these are really cool. They can do something, and then kind of, you know, later in the movie, see Batman throw it at a troll it. or something, and the troll like accidentally eats it and turns to stone or something. Yeah, something where it's actually used on 
like kind of like a living thing that's that is where he's in danger. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, give it a little bit more credibility. Um, and then it adds further credibility when Bavmorda, you know, overpowers mm-hmm. it. But it's still fine. That's, that's pretty much what it did. To defeat her, well, not to defeat her, to trick her, Willow uses his sleight of hand to say that he has sent Alora into another realm. And haha, she's kind of all pissed about it because we saw him do the same thing with the pig. And then, luckily, <laughs> out of nowhere, a bolt of lightning comes in. And fucking, that's the end of her. I, what the I, fuck? I, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, Adam's going to love this Duis as Machina shit. <laughs> I, I, I hated it. Lightning hadn't been a thing at all in this movie, and she was getting all kind of pissed, and then all of a sudden, boom, lightning strike. Well, she purified the altar with the lightning, and then she held up the wand as she spilled all of the spell's components onto herself. That's probably how Alora would have gone out if she'd completed her spell. <laughs> Yeah, but not for not for uh, the main bad guy. The main hero needs to do something that causes the end yeah. of the main bad guy. And that didn't happen yes. here. He gets her with shock and awe. Yeah. Shock and awe. It, it, it needed to, exactly, it needed to be Willow doing something, you know, instead of her overpowering the acorns, Willow then remembering the acorns and somehow doing something with it or Mad Mardigan Mad Mardigan coming in to save the day or what would have been even better is if Sorsha had to kill her mother that would have I would have loved that would have been a different movie it would have been a different, different movie but it would have made sense it had to be the everyday man who defeated this big bad but n- nobody nobody defeated the big bad <laughs> no she didn't yeah nature did nature exactly she turned her own magic against her I guess so I mean it just looked like like lightning uh, yeah yeah <laughs> So, but sure, sure, we're, we're allowing it. Uh, Finn Rizel rewards Willow with a book to help him become a greater sorcerer because now, yes, that's the end of all that. And Sorsha and Mad Mardigan are going to live together and raise Alora. And uh, Willow returns home a hero, uh, lovingly runs into his wife and his family. And yay, he's, he's gone back to the Shire. And that is the end of our Don't film. forget he made a bird that pooped on Burgle Cut. <laughs> he, did, he didn't make a bird that pooped right on Burgle Cut's I mean, face. in your version where Sorsa kills her mother, I mean, it wouldn't have been a bird and it wouldn't have been poop. It would have been a dragon that ate him. It, sure. <laughs> sure. I, I, don't, I, don't, I would have been I don't fine see with how that, too. that We live in a happy place with humor. I, I mean, I'm not saying that. This yeah, isn't, I'm not saying that Willow becomes a better sorcerer and can conjure a dragon, but I am saying uh, uh, Bev Morta should have gone out in a better way. <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know what? We'll leave you to the end, Christy. This is your movie. I want you to. Well, I want to end on a high note. I'm not going to say I'm going to give a low note, but actually, I probably kind of how I do with Cartwright. Sometimes my discussions will like raise or lower my grade and my discussion had made me realize I probably should have given like a lower grade to this film. I watching it I was able to just kind of disconnect and I didn't like the lightning thing of mm-hmm. course, but overall it's still a cute funny action fantasy. It's feel good, it's enjoyable, it is not without its faults, it is not perfection of a film. But it is definitely worth a rewatch if you enjoyed Willow when you were younger. It's you know there wasn't too much of more of a nostalgic kick watching this again because I've watched this several times, and mm-hmm. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the world they build in. There are some filmmaking flaws in here that I notice. 
I also agree with you. I don't like the fact that she just died by lightning at the end. I, it should have been one of the characters. It should have been Willow, Mad Morgan, mm-hmm. Sorsha, or or her daughter. Uh, or that is Sorsha. Um, Fenrisel. So one of them, I would have mm-hmm. accepted any yeah. one of those four in somehow. But I really do enjoy the world that they've built here, and I'm excited. It it in particular, we're watching this uh, for this. It makes me excited for the TV show because I'm excited to go revisit that world, and in a, in in a time when the special effects are just going to be a hell of a lot better. Yeah, the, this movie's good. I can I can rewatch it without a problem, even with the the issues I do have with it. Yeah, and I I just I love this movie as a child, and rewatching a lot of these movies with John has been really hard for me for some of them because. It didn't hold up the way I remembered it, but this movie it 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 sustains itself. It it is still good. I still love the characters. Um, one character we never talked about was Alora Dannon. It just like as an actress, just that baby, like all the expressions they were able to capture, just added to all the little moments going on, and the music just takes you back there to that. Just the score brings you into the world, and it's like the melodies. Yeah. It's like the melodies just take you to those characters mm-hmm. and that place. So music in this film holds it up for me as well because that melody, is it's memorable. I still play it when I teach recorder. I will play that Willow melody <laughs> on recorder because it's just so simple and just uh, like elemental. So I know, but I just love this movie. I, I still love it. I will agree with you. I think... As he often does, James Horner went above and beyond to, some, to create some pretty yeah. memorable melodies and really helps mm-hmm. tell the story along here. Absolutely. Can't deny on that. We'll say I'm looking through um, not the IMDb, but at least the kind of the Wikipedia for the Willow TV series. No one is currently credited as Alora, um, I, and I don't see her name anywhere kind of being mentioned. I hope she makes an appearance. Uh, maybe it's something that they're holding as a surprise. Yeah, could be. Could be. So, all right. Well, that was Willow. And now let's talk us of some Warrior Princess. Xena! That's right. This show ran from 1995 to 2001. Six seasons, 134 episodes. I remember it uh, being shown on USA. The most, mm-hmm. I think that's what we saw it on. Um, as we had already kind of mentioned, John, uh, when we talked Hercules: The Legendary Journeys, um, this was a spinoff of that show. Xena was on three episodes of Hercules, and then ended up staying on and, and becoming a favorite enough that they, she became uh, or got her own show out of it. Apparently, originally they wrote off, they wrote off that Xena was supposed to die after the kind of like those episodes mm-hmm. in. Uh, Hercules, but hell no, she was popular, and so you know, I guess they liked her as a character, and so like, screw this, we're gonna um, make you your own show. Xena was created by John Shulian. Uh, he wrote for Miami Vice and Hercules, and Ron Tapert, who also wrote on Young Hercules and some on Hercules as well. And I will say. The funniest thing I saw, like, wrote those guys. So I was looking through their credits, and on their IMDb, it says some of the Xena porn parodies, and it says, based on cre- characters created by, and then these people. And I'm like, oh, if 
it, if that was my iron to be, I would take those parts <laughs> off because I don't think that needs to be on my. If I'm like more of a credible writer, I don't need to know that the porn parody has also been, um, you know, written <laughs> <laughs> based on my characters. So this show was in part developed by Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi, awesome director and writer, Evil Dead stuff, uh, the Spider-Mans. He was the director of kind of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. And then recently, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which has been, between some of my friends, has been a contentious film. Some people really like it and some people aren't enjoying it. I've noticed that too, but to be honest with you, I really enjoyed it. And I've gone back and watched it a few times and that hasn't deterred every time since I've... I did too. I dug it. I mean, the Scarlet Witch does become a crazy you know villain at one point mm-hmm. and she she's driven mad by this stuff and i think sam raimi kind of nailed that on the head yeah i agree so yeah yeah uh the cast for the show xena is played perfectly by lucy lawless uh she has been in tons of things side characters in like parks and recreation uh besides this i remember her in spartacus which is a show i really enjoyed uh but just plenty of stuff for lucy lawless uh, Gabrielle was played by Renee O'Connor. Uh, she has been in a few things, but this is definitely her main show that I really only remember her from. Mm-hmm. A character named Jokeser or Joxer is played by Te- uh, Ted Raimi, who is the brother of Sam Raimi. And he's just overall been in a bunch of different stuff, small, small characters. I recognize him as he's probably been in all of Sam Raimi's stuff, just as a it, kind of like uh, Ron Howard's brother and dad are always in his movies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or. Um, the guy we were talking Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, oh, um, who does who does Guardians of the Galaxy? Is it Sean. Yeah, Sean is the is his brother's name, but I can't remember the the, the main dude's name. My God. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, go. I'm going into IMDb. Getting old. <laughs> James Gunn. James Gunn. Yes, you're right. Sean Gunn uh, pops up in a lot of his projects. Exactly same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ares is played by Kevin Smith. We actually talked about him in the Hercules show. Not that Kevin Smith, a much better looking Kevin Smith. <laughs> much hotter. Uh, much hotter. <laughs> much hotter. He uh, was Ares in Hercules and also Young Hercules. So he kind of was multiple, showed up in um, uh, those all three of those series. Callisto, uh, one of the villains, is played by Hudson Leak or Like. She was in you know all these shows as well. And then some Melrose Place, some stuff like that. And then uh, the last, or I guess like main, some of the main character, three, no, <clears throat> not a main character, sorry. Can, can I no, say it? Can I say it? Yes, you can. And then Carl uh, Irvin. Oh, Carl Irvin. Oh, Carl Irvin. Carl Irvin. He played Julius Caesar, Cupid, and two other characters, actually. Four different characters on the show, but Julius Caesar and Cupid were her his um, ones that would reoc- reoccur. And uh, Christy, what do you re- remember Carl Irvin from? Uh, he was in Lord of the Rings. He is currently in The Boys. I mean. Yes. And your dreams, yeah. apparently. My dreams. <laughs> I mean, hell, my dreams, too. Shit. I mean, it's why John a, has to keep the beard. He's a cool guy. He, he's looking good. Uh, and Dread, I want to throw out. He was uh, fantastic in the film Dread. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, some other characters. Hmm? That was the first movie we took our daughter to. Yeah. <laughs> Dread? Yeah, she was like a week old. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> we needed to get out. We needed to get out of the house, so we we went to that movie. Knowing your daughter, I think it <laughs> it really helped shape her journey. Oh, <laughs> it makes so much sense now. Oh god, what did we do? <laughs> <sighs> so uh, some other actors who showed up in Xena, uh, Bruce Campbell, of course. He's gonna he's gonna appear in Sam Raimi's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Selma Blair. 
uh, was on the show. Gina Torres, that we all know from Firefly. Uh, Tony Todd, uh, quite a bit of other people. Actually, Homelanders, uh, that actor, was also in an episode of Xena, too. Oh, wow. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I can't remember his name. So, this show was popular. It was more popular than the Hercules show that it spun off from. Um, it lasted longer, and it actually ended up airing in more than 108 countries around the world. Um, you know, again, very fantasy, you know, just like the Hercules stuff. It's all set mostly in kind of ancient Greek mythology. Uh, it was filmed in New Zealand, and it follows the adventures of Xena, mostly with her, with her friend Gabrielle, and just kind of like, you know, they're going from town to town or something and have to save somebody or fight some whatever. Um, it's it's the same kind of concept from Hercules. So, uh, so Christy, you know, I want to know what do you remember about Xena? You know, why? I guess why are we talking about it? And how how were you fond of the show back in the day? Um. Well, obviously, Xena is a great you know role model for girls not to just be like like at the time it's just a housewife there there's your only future that's the only you're going to ever do or be a bratty teen but then Zena's out there like kicking ass and it's stuck in the fantasy world which we know I love at this point and I mean she doesn't just stay in Greece like Hercules did I mean she goes everywhere she's mm-hmm. in ancient Rome um she's up in Mongolia she's out in China I mean she goes everywhere. So, and then it ties in um, history because I was a huge history nerd at the time too. It's like all these different famous characters, like Carl Urban is Julius Caesar in this one. I mean, you, you get the history, and then you get the Greek mythology. So that's what I love the most about this show. Yeah, I agree. Like I was a fan of like um, mythology as well. It's kind of fun. And now, granted, I don't think they stuck, you know, to the mythology too much, um, but. You know, probably maybe a little bit better than Disney did, at least. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You got some of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, tons of adventures to go through. John, you know, what do you remember from yours slash my kind of nostalgia of Xena? Um, I definitely remember uh, this. Uh, I want to say this was a show mom watched on occasion. Yeah. And I and I, I distinctly remember this because I remember watching with her one of the original Hercules movies. Which was one uh, of the things that was that caused the spinoff of the show, um, and I just remember that because uh, uh, Zeus in those movies was played by Anthony Quinn, who's a very oh, okay. famous actor, classic actor. Yeah. And this was one that I I don't know if Mom watched it regularly, but she watched it enough that I got onto it, and then if it showed up, I would watch it as well. And I want to say on USA it played back to back with Hercules, like Hercules would play and then mm. Xena does. I don't know if I'm remembering that right. But it's it was definitely one I was already familiar with. Yeah, same for me. I couldn't remember if it was mom or dad who uh, who we had watched it with, but and it wasn't an, a constant watch for us. But it was one mm-hmm. that would pop up, and you know, if it was on, I'd watch through it. I enjoyed it enough. Uh, so yeah, and definitely enjoyed the yeah, the action and all the kind of history sides of it. Uh, funny enough, I read that the first choice for Xena was not Lucy Lawless, and actually a good bit from it. Uh, instead, John, it was one of your favorite 90s actresses who was uh, potentially going to be Xena. Was it Lucy Liu? No, not Lucy <laughs> oh, Liu. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, she's a little bit more weird than that. She's a little bit more weird science than that. It's Vanessa Angel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Vanessa Angel was going to originally be Xena, but there was an illness that prevented her from traveling, and so the role was offered to four other actresses before <laughs> the relatively unknown Lucy Lawless got it. Very cool. Yeah. One thing I absolutely make got to make sure we talk about... That's the theme song. Oh, yeah. 
ancient gods, warlords, and kings, a man in turmoil cried out for a hero. Zena, a mighty princess forged in the heat of battle. The power. The passion. The danger. Her courage will change the world. And the the theme song and the music, which the, you use that that same kind of you heard that bum 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 <laughs> like that was um, they played that you know it was it was Zena's theme. Right. It can't, happened every like big battle or whatnot that happened. And honestly, it's a banger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> so uh, and that was uh, done by Joseph uh, Loduca, who did he composed the music for Evil Dead One, Two, and Army of Darkness, as well as composed the music for Hercules and Young Hercules, and as well as my beloved Spartacus show. Uh, he's quite good at kind of like yeah those nice catchy epic um, songs and, and and music for for stuff. You know, I I saw a thing about Young Hercules. I completely forgot that uh, Young Hercules Hercules was played by Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Oh yeah. He is not like the most when you think beefy dudes right. that would could play a Hercules. It's not Ryan Gosling. Now, granted, you know, as a young Hercules, even in the Disney, you know, they didn't go with the the super strong kind of look. Now, oh man. Oh, this is okay. By the time this comes out, we've uh, it's already been a few weeks since um, Thor: Love and Thunder has come out. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe more than a few weeks. It's probably been it's been over a month since it's been out. I think. What are y'all's thoughts of Hercules in that movie? Roy Kent. Roy Kent. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking way. What are, what's my thoughts on him being in the movie or the look? All of the above. Um, I didn't get much time with the look. Yeah, I mean, you, don't, you don't see him for very fast. long. Like, he was very it was, fast. Yeah. I was just. It, like, I mean, it was the. It was what the the mid credit scene or the end credit? I can't it was the mid credit scene. The mid credit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm excited about it. Hercules is not a character I've read too much. He's he's been I you know I read about him in um, a little bit in the Infinity Crusade series, and then also I read his book uh, when I did my full read of the um, Secret Invasion run. Mm-hmm. But he's not been a character I've run into. But I'm fully on the Marvel train at this point. If they if they want to pull out a completely even more obscure character than Hercules, first of all. Hercules is not an obscure character for mm-hmm. the like that's that might be one of the things is everyone knows who he is uh even if you don't know who the Marvel version of him is yeah so that's an easy in for people so I can see why they might want to go with them I like him as an actor I think he looked atrocious I like, think there's atrocious I think there's definitely work to be done between now and whenever we see him again <laughs> okay yeah I'm even even Thanos started off, you know, looking way different, you yeah. know, when it wasn't didn't have it cast or didn't have it right. They definitely CG'd his body, yeah. yeah the body looks like a joke. Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, he they they they're still they just got off finishing um d- recording the season for season 3 for uh, Ted Lasso. 
So uh-huh. I imagine he has not had time to actually bulk up before he did this little cameo. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to have him on something to at least bulk up a good bit cuz I don't I don't know to me I don't need him to be more big than Thor, but I definitely think he's got to put some bulk on him. Now granted, Chris Hemsworth has been working on Thor for a while now. His mm-hmm. body has has just been slowly attuned. Now also, I don't know if this is true, but I keep hearing this, so I, I'm assume it's true. He's supposed to be playing Hulk Hogan in a biopic, and that's part of the I, reason why his body is so jacked right now. I heard that as well, and he he is he is like at his peak. Like he he looks like he is at his most most roided, like just the beefiest that he's ever been. Um, and you can definitely tell. I mean, you can tell that from the trailer when Zeus does his little flick off of him oh, with yeah. all his clothes. I mean, it's like, damn. To be honest, I mean, if I had that body, I'd be like, yeah, I'll do a nude scene shoot. Of course. Yeah, without question. No butt double there. No <laughs> no butt double there. There you go. Or just don't tell um, me but there yeah, is. I was disappointed with the look of Hercules, I would say. But hopefully by the time they include him. Like, I wanted, I mean, I want somebody who, you know, doesn't have to be as big as Chris Hemsworth, but, like, kind of got to be close. I wanted, like, a Henry Cavill, I think, would have been, like, a perfect call. The guy's already beefy from Superman, yeah. and he's got a really, he's got a much better look um, for, like, that kind of thing than... I, I know a lot of life. people who are holding out for him to be Cap- Captain Britain. Okay, fair. I can see that too. So, all right. Sorry. Let's uh, shift back <laughs> to Xena and less of our Marvel chatter. So, yeah, characters. Xena stayed mostly kind of the same throughout. I do definitely recognized uh, Gabrielle. She started off kind of as like a nerdy bookworm, kind of like you know the side character, you know, like the friend who was often helpless and seemingly would get captured, and Xena had to kind of save her or stuff like that. Eventually, though, she did kind of become her own, like a badass in her in her own right, and could fight off people just fine. Yeah, so like I, her I like walking that. stick turned into like her fighting staff by the end. Yeah, yeah. Two couple iconic things from the show for me are uh, the yell. We've already made fun of it. That mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> I wasn't making fun. <laughs> I wasn't making fun. Of it. It just we brought it up. And then also, John, is that an actual weapon? Her little like chakra blade disc thing? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. It doesn't seem viable to actually throw it because it, you got to kind of hold it in the middle. And how do you actually throw? I that I mean, thing if it is it? a if it is a weapon, it doesn't seem like one that would have been thrown. You just one you hold. Uh, yeah, slice uh, with, Yeah, so. I don't. I don't think it was a. It might have been based on something real. I've seen hand weapons that look similar, but I don't know if I've seen ones that look exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cruel. They have the same thing. They have a weapon that huh. is thrown and comes back. Until it hits the final monster and then it's done. I mean, it's it's like Captain's Shield, like Captain mm-hmm. America's Shield. So, yeah. oh, one thing that I I did find it interesting. So yeah, she is like this utter badass fighter, and she was almost seen as kind of like the equivalent of Hercules. You know, like she could take down people as much as Hercules, but Hercules is this demigod. Um, so it's, I I did read that Kevin Sorbo didn't like that she seemed his equal <laughs> with stuff because he's well, like she almost takes him down in the hercules series doesn't she i think so yeah yeah so i think that i think that always kind of uh, pissed him off a little bit but you know she's awesome she's fantastic what she yeah. does well so. her show did so much better than him so and and that's probably really what he was bitter about he was probably very disappointed <laughs> <laughs> yes uh one thing that i do want to mention is 
the uh, support that this show got from the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So uh, Gabrielle and Zena's relationship was never really, really defined in the show. Um, at least, I mean, mostly early on. Maybe by the end, it probably was. Um, I don't really remember a lot of the later seasons because uh, I'd kind of moved past it. And again, I think they dove right fully into that um, because that was their fan base. Like they, they kind of really got a, like a large uh, lesbian fan base from it, and it, it, I think, is still you know particularly thought of very fondly uh, from the lesbian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but it's kind of interesting. Like you know, definitely now, and I think even Lucy Lawless has kind of said, yeah, no, the character they they were married, they were a thing, um, which is kind of obvious. But yeah, I think I think that. I think that was awesome and strong for some people. I think other people probably turned them off from the show. Oh, well, but, screw them. Yeah, exactly. Screw them. I like that. I like I like that aspect uh, yeah. about the show for sure. So um, one thing, I could not find full episodes of this show. How, what about y'all? No, no, we didn't actually even bother watching it. Although it was, at one point, it was on Netflix. And okay. at that time, we watched a good two or three seasons I think we had yeah. we went all the way through Hercules and then we tried to go through Xena and by that point I think we just oversaturated on the whole thing so we, we <laughs> yeah. only got through like one or two seasons of Xena but we've seen it enough times that we didn't need to rewatch it again yeah just yeah. looking at like the cast list and the characters I was like oh yeah yeah, yeah it'll fill you with nostalgia yeah I I watched different clips on YouTube and that was the best I could find it mm-hmm. is pretty much nowhere else that you can like get your current streaming you can probably I think rent it yeah, um, but I know I you can buy it on Apple or maybe rent yeah. it. I'm not sure. I think Prime said you could buy it too. Okay, but you know, with TV though, that really adds up, and so it's like, yeah. okay, it's going to be hard. So, but it's currently not streaming anywhere. So, yeah, I mean, if you guys are a big fan of it, it might be worth the purchase. We'll start off again, Christy. I'll let you end your th- with your thoughts on Xena. I, you know, from rewatching the clips, the show is fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it is very similar to the Hercules show, John. I liked it enough, but I'm not going to go seek it out. Um, I The one thing I feel like, and, and maybe this is just with the, the crew's experience uh, with going through Hercules and being able to go, I just felt like the, that this one was acted a little bit better. Oh, yeah. Hercules, Hercules one's really leaned into the camp. And to be fair, I think it knew what it was and, and, it, and it went that way. And I think maybe with Xena, they were trying to do something a little bit more serious. And I think it worked for them mm-hmm. uh, maybe that was why it was a little bit more popular who knows i enjoyed rewatching the show when we did i find it to be fun and and i definitely get a nostalgic kick so this is something we definitely watched or at least i watched probably when i was a teenager or whatever i think you know if you if you have any nostalgic tie to it i think it's worth seeking out i would honestly go buy the dvd sets yep. it'd probably be more worth it there yeah you can you know probably go to like a um like a secondhand store um, like a second in Charles or some other kind of like, you know, thing and, and see if you can find the DVDs. Probably still buy the DVDs on Amazon. You never know. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Pr- Christy, what about you? They're probably in my mom's closet. <laughs> we could we probably could have dug them out because she has everything in there. Well, I just love the show uh, and like all the female leads in there. Most of the big bads in the show were females, um, except for Aries, who's clearly just trying to get with Xena. Yeah. He just doesn't win there. He just can't. It's just a nice trip back into, you know, close history, near history and Greek mythology and just badass Xena. <laughs> yeah, it is badass.
This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Now relive the magical adventures of the movie Willow with these amazing characters that bring the story to life. There's the heroic swordsman, Matt Mardigan. I'll win this war for you. The evil sorceress, Bab Morda. The dreaded General Cave. I'll crush the rebels. And brave Willow himself. The epic battles, good versus evil. You can bring the magic of Willow home with collectible figures, vehicles, and accessories, each sold separately. Willow, the magic lies within. All right, now we are going to do the casting portion of the show. As mentioned at the top, we are going to recast Willow using actors of today. Obviously, they have another TV show coming out, but this is our fun little exercise that we love to do, and it's fun to think of. If they did completely redo it, who would they use? Uh, so we got a pretty big slew of characters we're going to do. We've got Willow, Mad Mardigan, Sorsha, Queen Bavmorda, Finn Rizel, General Kale, Eric, Rule, and Frangine. Oh shit! You guys added some more. Oh, I, I <laughs> knew, I knew, I knew those two were because were, uh, to be fair, Christy made me add them. Yeah, I was pissed that you did not add. them. I gave her the thing, and she said, "No, I want to do this with the brownies too." I said, "Okay." So I put it on the list, and it must have been in between when I put the list up and when I added them that you saw the list. Yes, that had, had to be it because I got all the uh, Eric was the last one I did all those I yeah. forgot about the brownies. And there so was I my argument point. I'm like, why are you casting Eric and not the brownies? Because you spend more green, screen time with the brownies than you do with Eric. I'm like, Eric, he has like two scenes and then he dies. Spoilers. <laughs> well, we've already went through it so it's no longer a spoiler. Okay. Yep. Um, all right. Do you want a second to try and cast them? Um, or, or do you what do you want to do? What do I want to do? <laughs> Who do I want to do? Who do you want to do? I won't tell your wife. Xena is who I want to do. <laughs> uh, actually, I was more of a Gabrielle guy. I like, you know, the innocent. Oh, blondes, not blacks. I got it. Black hair. Oh. Sorry. I, oh like, I mean, I like it all. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, rule, rule. So both of the brownies. Yeah, both rule and fringing. Yeah, kidding. give me a second. Okay, you know, I got, I got mine. All right, well, let's uh, go in, as uh, always. We're going to go in reverse order and start with Frangine. And, Adam, why don't you start us off? Uh, my Frangine is going to be from a solid comedy duo. Um, I kind of liked their show, but I think they are very funny guys, particularly the other one, and so that's why I'm going to save the funnier one for Rule because he was kind of the funnier one in the movie. Uh, my Frangine, right? That's the Kevin Pollock one? Uh, no, Frangine was the taller one. Rule was Kevin Pollock. Oh, so I'm okay. So I'm I'm doing Kevin Pollock right now. Oh, so you're doing Rule. Yeah, that's the Kevin Pollock one, right? Yes, that was the Kevin Pollock one. Okay, all right. Well, it doesn't really matter. It, it, flip flop. I don't care who's who. Um, because they're yeah, <laughs> they're a good duo. Um, I'm just gonna give you both of mine right now. Okay. How about that? Okay. I'm gonna give you both of mine. I'm going. You can pick whoever the hell you want to pick uh, for who's who. But I'm going with Brett McKenzie and Jermaine Clement. Uh, they are Flight of the Concords. Okay. And so I, th- I think they are quite funny. They work well together. And so I think having a, a team that works well together would be good for um, this kind of role. I think as as long as the actors are are funny and can be silly, yeah. it doesn't really matter yes. too much. Um, yes. All right. I guess I'll just go ahead and do both of mine. Um, I chose two actors they're a little bit older but that's okay they're i mean they don't have to do too much they're they're gonna be cg'd in to being smaller um so i went with two guys who can absolutely be silly and fun uh for frangine i chose hank azaria and for rule i chose jack black okay oh nice 
Jack Black's great, <laughs> great physical comedy as well. I think that yeah, works. And well. he's he's still out there doing some of that stuff. I've seen I've seen clips of him like on stage, you know, at mm-hmm. concerts and stuff, still being crazy out there, d- despite yeah. him being probably in his fifties at this point. Um, but I I figured he could be silly and it'd be easy enough. You wouldn't have to do too much physical stuff because a lot of it's going to be CG. All right. Well, I chose uh, Kevin Smith. And no, I did not do Jay. I did uh, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, so, because I, I didn't want to do Jay and Silent Bob, because then Bob would have to be silent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I like. I mean, Kevin Smith. I'm in- interesting. I would say he's not doing too much acting anymore, but he's constantly in his own movies. So he is. He is constantly in his own movies. I like. I, I like. Uh, you said Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can I? Can I swap out? Kevin Smith for Seth Rogen and have Seth Rogen and Seth MacFarlane. I like that better. Well, you could, but it's my casting. It's your <laughs> okay. Fine. Yeah. This is the one that John guessed last night. He's like, "What are you going to put Jalen Silent Bob?" I'm like, "You son of a bitch!" <laughs> that's funny. She did. She actually cursed in front of our daughter. Rowan, yeah, yeah. Rowan looked at me and she's like, "That's the third word I've heard you say." <laughs> uh, all yes. right, let's go ahead and move on to Eric. Uh, let's just keep that same rotation going. Just sure. make it easy. Sure. All right. So my Eric, <laughs> Eric. Yeah. I dove into the well of fantasy, uh, a show that I actually haven't watched, but I have been meaning to, and I am pretty sure y'all have watched it. And I think you like this actor. And I am talking about the show Vikings. I went with Alexander Ludwig, who he kind of already yeah. looks like the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he plays. Yeah. Uh, well, what's the character? He plays the son, the oldest son of uh, mm-hmm. Ragnar Lothbrok. I keep wanting to say Ragnarok, but no. Uh, Ironsides is yeah. his nickname. He's the tall one, the tall yeah. blonde one. Yeah. 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 Tall blonde. Oh, I think it's good. Yeah. That's okay. a good one. Um, I went with uh, an actor. Actually, he's a little bit older, but that's fine. Uh, he's in a, a TV show that we are loving right now, um, and he was also uh, just in. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness reprising a role that nobody liked, or from a show that nobody <laughs> liked. Uh, I went with Anson Mount, uh, who was also playing Christopher Pike in the in the newest uh, Star Trek yeah. series. And we're yeah. I'm lo- and I, I, oh, I, I yeah. would say this: it's a testament to the writing on that show and to his acting because I'm not really a huge fan of the original series characters, but man, they are killing that show. It is so good. It is so good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm just not a Trek guy, so I, I don't care enough. But I, I'll agree. I never, I, I couldn't get past like episode two of Inhumans, mm-hmm. and I just didn't go any further. But I like that they brought him back for multiverse. Well, so and they, I think it, he never actually wore the suit on that show, did he? No, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't know if he did. Yeah, none yeah, of he, them he, he really. Kinda, did. Yeah, it was a sad, like, sorry little show. Yeah, like you didn't get to see any of the act. It was just them running constantly. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. bad. Yeah. All right, dear. All right. Um, I cast Sean Bean. <laughs> Sean Bean. Okay, a much older actor. It's Sean Bean. <laughs> it's well, and he's gonna die. It, so it makes say, sense. He's tell going him, to die. Tell him why. Yeah, because that's why you cast to him because like, he's gonna die. Three scenes and then he's gonna die. And he's just got to bring the intensity of Eric saying you're stuck in that cage, but not comedically intensity. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. Your reasoning is sound. Are you telling me Sean Bean can't sit a horse? I'm not saying that Sean B. can't set a horse. Or hide in a cellar. No. He's good. He's a good call. I mean, when 
when Bad Mortar's troops see his army, it's like, it's Eric's army. So you can't tell me he has some street credit right there. Sean Bean has street credit. credit. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's move on to General Kale then. All right, my General Kale. You need someone who's kind of big and intimidating. Uh, So I definitely went with that kind of actor. This guy um, is pretty solid in, in... most of the stuff I've seen, which is mostly Stranger Things, I did not see Hellboy because it looked like trash, but I think he would be a fantastic Kale. I went with David Harbour. Yay! I think that's a good call. Yeah. Okay. I think it's a good call. Cool. Uh, plus, he bulked up a little bit. Well, he kind of mm. bulked up a little bit during his uh, the Red Guardian one. Actually, he looked more rounder. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, if yeah, you saw it in the most... Re- I didn't watch, really, most of the most recent series of... Uh, Stranger Things, but he looked like he got skinny. Yeah, he dropped a lot yeah, of well, weight. He was in prison for it. Yeah, yeah. He did. I think he had like the total dad bod going before, and then he just, yeah, mm-hmm. like he almost looks emaciated. But then, yeah. I'm gonna guess that's what happens when you're in Russian prison. Yeah, makes sense. All right, so my general Kale. I thought about it, and what I came down to was with that mask, a lot of this voice is gonna be ADR'd. So I really mm-hmm. only need this actor for the scenes where his helmet is off so i decided to go with an actor who's he is tall and he's got a powerful voice and that was the thing that got me for him um he is older so he wouldn't want to be doing stunts so clearly be somebody else uh you know in the suit for uh the stunt work with the mask on i went with liam neeson <laughs> wasn't expe- even with all that setup that you gave me i wasn't expecting that that's not where i went either yeah not anywhere near where I would have gone with Liam Neeson. I think he's got the the right kind of voice for a big angry general. He's a tall guy, so when you see him in the suit without the helmet on, he's going to be the right height. Um, uh-huh. And then we can just ADR his voice over so. for the rest of the scenes. Have have has Liam Neeson worked with Kevin Smith on anything? I can't remember. No, he worked with Seth MacFarlane on a few things. He did. But what I'm thinking of is the podcast Hollywood Babylon that I love. Oh. And they keep every episode they end with Liam Neeson's gigantic cock. I feel like there's <laughs> gotta be some joke that you add in there. Oh, I guess it's not yours. That's Chris is that's merging y'all's yes. uh, uh cast. Never mind then. Uh interesting. I'm not sure I love it. <laughs> okay. Fine. All right. All right. Christy. So I went with and I hope I'm saying this right, uh Tamora Morrison, who plays Boba Fett. Yeah. Uh, okay. He can be intimidating. You can see him leading stuff, you know, and yeah, height-wise, that doesn't really matter because you can do anything with tricks and stuff and whatnot. Okay, and I like his voice, too, so I think it's good. I don't necessarily need Kale to be, like, a tall character, but he does Uh need to be intimidating. Yes, and he can be, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's got a good look for being an intimidating general. I agree with that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like so much that when Bab Morta slaps him, you're like, oh, damn. Like, I wouldn't slap that guy, (laughs) but she does. Uh, all right, uh, now we're getting into our older characters. Let's hear mm-hmm. about uh, your Finn Rizal. Yeah, and I did dive into some older characters here. I'm hoping they still work for Finn Rizal, someone who is kind of, I don't know, nice, somewhat fairly, yes, yeah, sweet, fairy godmother-esque kind of thing. This actress is great, and, you know, John and I talked about her in the movie Parenthood, and she is just wonderful in that one. She's very comedic in that one. I went with Diane Weist as my Finn Rizel. Okay. I don't see Finn Rizel as being particularly, like, she's nice and well, sweet, but she's, like, she is, like, r- not rough, but 
snarky? Uh, no, but she goes, well, you know, during the battle between her and yeah. Queen Babmorda, like, she's a, she's kind of a little badass there. Yeah. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that, I, I, was, I don't know that Diane Weiss could bring that mm. part. You didn't, okay. you couldn't see any of her mama bear in that movie? I I would say these are my, probably two of my least favorite is my Finn Rizal and Queen Bevmorda. That's fair. I, they, mm, they might be my, at least my Bevmorda is probably yeah. my least favorite one. Okay. Um, but for my Finn Rizal, I did want somebody who could be nice when they need to be nice, but also show that strength uh, at the end. And um, the funny thing is, and, and the problem that we've obviously run into is, they can they can easily make actors and actresses look a lot younger than they are, and a lot of them just take care of their skin better, so they just look mm-hmm. younger. Um, so I, I always have a hard time remember that she, this lady is like seventy six years old, but she's definitely played a badass before. I went with Sigourney Weaver. Oh, oh yeah, nice. Of course, yeah. I, I I didn't know she was seventy six. I could it didn't matter. I I yeah. absolutely think she could be a utter badass. She could star in an action movie right now, and I'd believe it. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I went with Michelle Yeoh. Oh, oh, I like that. Yeah, no problems with her. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I we've mentioned her a few times just on this podcast for casting, and John and I have not once been like, ne- we're never a no on Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I mean, she works for that kind of character. She's mm-hmm. she's got to appear older, but can still, um, you know, feel like she's strong enough to still do the strong magic. Yeah. So, um, spe- like speaking of uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, that's a, that is a movie that we also need to see. Yeah. Uh, all right. Queen Bevmorda. All right. So, yes, my Queen Bevmorda, like I said, I'm not sold on it, but you know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm going with this person. Um, she is definitely older. She has done recently, she's done much more like voice acting over the last like five years than she has like been on screen. Mm-hmm. But she plays one hell of a villainous witch. And I, you know, if she needs to get in shape or whatever to make it work, I think she could do it. I went with Angelica Houston as my Queen Bavmorda. Wow. Okay. Taking me back. I, obviously, I'm, I'm channeling witches. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I totally believe her as a yeah. horrible witch. So okay. no issues with that at all. Um, all right, cool. You're probably not going to like mine, and I'm not sure why I went with this one. That was just the first one that came to my head. I, I remember her mostly from kind of uh, scenes where she kind of plays like almost kind of like a Black Widow character um, or like someone who really is like not mean. There's a better word for her to describe the kind of characters I remember her from. I don't know. You, you at least, hopefully you'll at least understand why I picked her, whether or not you like the choice. <laughs> I went with Sharon Stone. I've seen her do like villainous stuff before. I mean, I mean obviously with like uh, Total Recall, but like even more recently. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and I mean, I'm thinking, obviously, I'm thinking Basic Instinct, where she is uh-huh. kind of a villain in that. Actually, I think she is the villain in that. Yeah. In that movie. But I mean, she's a little bit older now, so I she can do the the older witch thing, probably just as well. I actually kind of like that one. I think it actually it it works. I absolutely think that one works. Okay. Yeah. All right, Chrissy. All right. Well, I went with uh, Glenn Close. Yep. No issues there. <laughs> she's great. She uh, um, she's definitely played villainous before. Um, she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's an easy one. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, Sorsha. All right. Um, I uh, 
I went with someone who I think, I mean, at least Christy has seen her fairly recently. I've seen her um, actually as a redhead in some pictures, and I kind of wanted to keep my sorcerer redhead. I don't know why. I just like the look of the actress who had it. Um, she has been in things like The Greatest Showman, uh, Mission Impossible, hold on, what's that? Fallen, Mission, Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, Christy, you probably remember her best from Dune, mm. the recent Dune film. Mm-hmm. It's Rebecca Ferguson. Oh, who I am going for a with. second, I thought you were about to say Zendaya, because Zendaya was also in oh, Dune she's and. She's not a redhead, yeah, though. <laughs> yes, yeah, she was. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I was like, yes, Zendaya? she was. No. So, but yeah, so she's been in. Uh, a couple of the Mission Impossible films, and yeah, doing so. She's got some action stuff under her belt, and um, I think she she would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, she's in. Oh, John, you uh, quick shout out to um, uh, Comics Underground. Rebecca Ferguson is going to be in a thing called Wool. A TV yes. Series. I, I assume that's going to be the same series that you it is. as a Tim talked about. Yeah. Yeah. We actually we did talk about that series uh, okay. when we on the on that episode. Okay, very cool. Oh, Ian Glenn's going to be in it, too. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a lot of big names that are going to be in that uh, series. I'm actually excited about it. wonder if All she's right. going to be the sheriff. She is. Oh, I she's think she's the main sheriff. guy, or the main Ooh, lady. Oh, that's going to be... Well, I like that casting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Uh, okay, uh, for my Sorsha, I went with uh, an actress. She, I mostly know her from non-action-y things, but I could see her doing this stuff. I went with Kate Mara. Oh, she's got the look. Yeah, yeah, I like Kate Mara. She, I mean, she has done, um, she's done some. She's I'm in sure Fantastic she has. Four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Fan Four Stick. Uh, oh, so she never some... saw it. Okay, well, <laughs> she was in it. At least she played Sue Storm, so she's okay. done some kind of action stuff before. Okay. Yep. All right, dear. All right, I went with Florence Pugh. Okay. I like, oh, love her. Love her from Black. Yeah. I mean, I think she, she is one of my more favorite, like, recent additions to the MCU. Like, yeah. who is, like, kind of mm-hmm. taken on. Um, I think she's got great comedy. I, I think she's fantastic. I'm a big fan I think of her. she made that movie, honestly. Yeah. She helped. Oh, absolutely. It would have yeah. been a lot more boring if it wasn't for her in there. Yep, yep. I like that call a lot. All right. Uh, Mad Mardigan. All right. So, we have kind of, like, our... <laughs> Our biggest, my not like necessarily the biggest name actor that I've got in here, but you know he's kind of the, he's not the hero. Willow is definitely the hero, but Mad Mardigan is um, a big name. He's like the, uh, the Jack from Big Big Trouble in Little China kind of guy. You know, right. he's he's a side character. He's also a big name, um, but he's not like the actual hero. And and much like uh, Jack in Big Trouble in Little China, even though he's not the main hero, he got top billing in the movie. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Which yeah. actually Which- was. George Lucas was not in favor of. He wanted Warwick Davis to get top billing at yeah. the studio. But Warwick is a, a relatively unknown, you yeah. know, at that time. Probably pretty much unknown at that time. So, um, so I went with an actor who has been in quite a bit of stuff recently. He's done action. He can do the comedy that's needed for this. I can see him kind of be dirtied up and kind of like uh, be that anti-hero kind of, you know, snarky dude. Um, he's fantastic. I went with Sebastian Stan as my Mad Mardigan. That's a great call. Thank you. I, I think yeah. uh, Sebastian Stan is is at that point now where I'm. I won't be surprised if he pops up in anything, and he'll probably be really good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I we we didn't watch. We only watched like two episodes of that ta- Pam and uh, Tommy Lee thing, but he sure as hell made me believe he was Tommy Lee. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I didn't I had he was, no interest, but... especially when he was talking to his penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe I should watch that then. You only need to watch like the first two episodes to see the scene where literally he's having a conversation with his penis and the penis is talking back. <laughs> oh, God. 
<laughs> is it is like a drug trip or something for him? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But they like animated it so it looks like it's talking. <laughs> and that's as far as we made it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I can see. I can see. That might be why you stopped. Um, I went with an actor who, um, he's, he is known, he's more known to the kind of the nerd community, but at this point, um, he's gotten, uh, he's done the sci-fi thing. He's currently doing the superhero thing. I want to see him do the fantasy thing. I went with Jansen Ackles. Oh yeah. Supernatural. Playing, plays soldier boy in the, in the boys. In the boy, yeah. Which I haven't seen this series yet, so I haven't seen him in it. Uh, well, they ju- the finale just dropped, so you gotta yeah. you gotta catch. I up. gotta finish Stranger Things first, and I'm still currently on it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll watch that once we finish this. Instead of go. I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla, so my free time is like, do I play <laughs> Assassin's Creed Valhalla? Do I watch Stranger <laughs> Things? <laughs> so okay, I think it's a great call. I think it's a great call, though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I went with Ryan Reynolds. Okay, uh, I think that's a great call as well. Sure. Yeah, of course, of course, Ryan Reynolds. He's funny. He's got great action chops. Good looking dude. I, I love that call. Yeah, I'm totally all, fine all, with that. All three of these calls work work very well. Yep. Uh, all right. Now the one that I think was probably the hardest for everyone. I don't know about you. Yes. Definitely very the hard. hardest. Uh, yep. Adam, let's hear it. Yeah, this was insanely tough. Uh, you know, and I tried to go back and forth. Do I want to uh, cast a little person? Do I want to go kind of the Lord of the Rings route? And you can kind of, you know, digitally size down some people um ultimately i decided to go with what i felt was the vision of willow uh which george lucas saw somebody he liked and he was a pretty much of a no name at the time so i went with a lesser known actor uh so i hunted around for and i wanted a little person actor i didn't Mm -hmm. want someone who um would just be kind of de-sized um using graphics so i looked around and you know there's Tons of amazing little people actors, but not so much recent. You know, we yeah. get a yeah. lot from like from kind of like, yeah, these kind of fantasy movies are like older with, you know, obviously Wizard of Oz or other stuff like that. So I kind of had to di- dive in deep. Um, this actor, though, has taken a role from that Warwick Davis used to do. And that was Leprechaun, because this guy was in Leprechaun Returns. I went and I watched the trailer of that just to see, like, uh, how does he do as the Leprechaun? And he does have some of that, um, I don't know, there's a charisma that the Leprechaun has. So this guy, I thought, brought some of that. Um, I don't know much of that that else he does, because he is a lesser lesser known actor, and so... I'm hoping he's going to be fantastic. He has kind of that innocent look, which I think was perfect for Willow. You know, Warwick Davis looks like an innocent guy. Um, I am going with Lyndon Porco. I need to see a picture of this guy. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up on the thing. (laughs) So it's L-I-N-D-E-N-P-O-R-C-O. Yeah, I found him, but for some reason the photos on IMDb are not pulling up. Oh, okay. I was like, they're right there, but if they're just slowly popping. Okay. Okay. Yeah, younger guy definitely need a. I that to me was also because Willow's got to be inexperienced. Yes, he's got to he's got to grow somewhere. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, if 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 he's if he's if he's acting enough in uh, in Leprechaun. Yeah, yeah. He just there's, took. There's, there's definitely promise. Mm-hmm. It looks like he played. What is the name of that stupid movie? Yeah, Little Man. Little Man. He was like the he body made, double. The body double. Yes. The body double for Little Man in that awful, uh, was it the Marlon and Sean Wayans movie? Yeah. I I mean, I got no no issues with that. I, I, okay. Obviously, I don't know his acting yet, but mm-hmm. um, I would imagine 
for such a kind of iconic role for for little people as Willow is, mm-hmm. if he is chosen, he's going to step it up and do what he oh, needs yeah. to do to be able to get his acting chops where they need to be. So I'm cool, fine with that. All right. Um, I I had the same problem. Uh, most of the vastly well known uh, actors that are little people that I know are kind of too old. Yeah. I would have loved to gone with like a Martin Kleba. I love uh, Martin Kleba, but I, he's he's too old. But he's done some action stuff, so I, I you know I love that. Yeah. But I, he's too old. At that point, we got to have young and just not enough uh, of these younger little people actors are are anywhere. I'm, and that's the other thing. I'm hoping to find some new good actors from this Willow series. Mm-hmm. Love Peter Dinklage. He's too old for this. Yeah. Which, by the way, actually Peter Dinklage was rumored to be in the movie as an extra during the scene where he's trying to make the pig disappear. Um, but he was uncredited, oh. and they don't know for sure if it was him. And I guess no one's asked him. Yeah, <laughs> if it was him. Okay. But apparently, they think he was in the movie. Um, I went with a person who's actually not known for being an actor, so I kind of stepped outside the realm. But he is known for being a stand-up comedian. Uh, so he's got some of those uh, choices, and he's young enough. He's actually only about a year older than you, Adam. Mm-hmm. So he still, and he still looks young enough. I went with Brad Williams. Yep. Yeah, I thought about him. Um, I like his comedy. I definitely yeah. like his comedy. In in a perfect world, I would find an unknown. Yeah, I would find an unknown actor with a lot of promise. But yeah. this is this is a fantasy casting. I gotta go. I gotta be able to give something. Yeah, he was just he just. I, I've listened to enough of his comedy. I didn't get the innocence vibe from him. <laughs> that was, that was, <laughs> no, well, I didn't go with that route. No. All right, dear. All right. Well, I I too had this problem, and then like just trying to find uh, actors with dwarfism, like they're all pretty much in that same age range, mm-hmm. like that same that same generation of actors. And it makes me sad that we haven't had more come in except for, except for like just these little offshoot movies, but they're all older guys. Um, I wanted to cast Kieran Shaw, but he, I haven't seen him really do much big acting. Like he's been side characters. Um, and he's been stand-ins, uh, like he was a body double for Frodo in Lord of the Rings uh, uh. when they needed the size. And then he was in um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as one of the dwarfs um, as a side character to the queen, but not a main actress. And I really wanted to recast Warwick Davis, but then I saw a picture of him in this new series. And I was like, well, you know, we could age him down with makeup and costuming. And so that's why I went with Peter Dinklage. Okay. So you want, I mean, he's an amazing actor, it, you know. I mean, and you're going to get the best performance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of anyone out of him, and they'll just have to age him down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand why you went there out. He is the preeminent dwarf actor right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I kind of lean with John. I think, you know, yeah, kind of is, an unknown is probably the route that, you know, which we would never really find. So that's why mine is probably the best with Lyndon Porco. <laughs> but <laughs> I get it. I, I totally get it. Yeah, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to do what they did in Lord of the Rings, where they took regular actors and then yes. they just made them look small. I, I feel like it's part of the world that these people look physically different. That no one's look different than. Well, that's exactly. a, that's just it. They're 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 their own race. Yeah, yeah, they're their own, they're their own race of race. people, and so that, they're not that, little humans. Yeah, not little yeah. humans exactly. Yeah. Well, that so. sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but in in the sto- in the in, in the yes, of the story, yes. They're not yes, homunculi. They're, they're, yeah, they're not daikini, little daikini. That's the brownies. The brownies are basically tiny yeah. daikini, yeah. whatever. Um, and also, they're, I mean, 
there are some phenomenal little people actors out there and they deserve work you know yeah so all right well that was our recasting of willow Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and I go back to some good old 90s alt rock and we talk the Weezer album, Weezer, the blue album. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we've made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.